Wellness with More podcast is a podcast that discusses all mental health issues and wellness issues. We get different guests from around the world that share their amazing stories and journeys through difficult and uh, challenging times. Welcome, welcome back to another episode with Wellness with Mo. I'm my name is Mo, and this week's episode, I have a special, special guest, uh, Linda Limos. Uh, she's the, the host of Linda Love Talks, keynote speaker and uh, uh, book author. Hi, Linda. How are you doing? I'm doing good. It's, it's early from this side of the world, but I am up. I'm ready. I'm happy to be on your show. That's great. That's great. So where are you? Uh, which area are you in? States? Which part? I'm I'm in the New York City metro area, so I'm on the East Coast oh, okay. um, All right. of the of the United States. But okay. I, I usually don't mention that too much. But and when I travel, I don't mention that at all. <laughs> oh, why? Why is that? <laughs> I don't know. There's this horrible um, thinking that like if you're from a certain country that you are very wealthy, but uh-huh. we don't. We're not all wealthy. It's this. I feel like it's the same in many countries. You know, there's the ultra wealthy and the ones that are like. Yeah. working <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah yeah it's uh people's misconceptions are always uh uh drives the, the narrative of, of any conversation but no no i i understand you i mean uh same thing here uh, we are all we're we're not we're i'm not we're not wealthy at all there's only a very small percentage mm-hmm. uh, especially in egypt egypt is like a, we're a, over a hundred million uh, people so so say one percent of the hundred million are the wealthiest of the wealth, and the rest are <laughs> poor to yeah. very poor to you know uh, very 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 poor. So so that that's great. So you know uh, I always like to share people's uh, stories and journeys. So usually I uh, I like to ask my, my my guests, who are you? Who's Linda? Wow. Okay. It's, oh, I'm a little, now you just may put me on the spot. I got, I have to get used to being a guest. I'm so used to being on the other side. Uh, I have to relinquish control here. Um, (laughs) it's really interesting. Who am I? Um, well, well, yeah, I'll tell you my story. So I am from, I'm first generation college student. So I'm the first one in my family to get, um, a college education it was very difficult for my family to finish high school. Okay. Um, my my parents started working uh, when they were both eight years old. Um, that's very normal for their country. They're from Uruguay in okay. South America. So okay. child labor is normal in many uh, South American countries. Um, so they didn't have much education. They came here to the United States with three children, and then I became their fourth child. And um, they had very basic jobs here in the United States that paid a uh, minimum wage. So I, as a child, I watched my parents uh, struggle financially. Um, and that became kind of like my own struggle as well. But um, I was very... Um, well, I was aware of things. Like I was aware that I couldn't have what other children had or who parents had, you know, uh, more money or um, a higher paying job or a career. Um, So I started working at the age of 13. Okay. Yeah. So I was at the age of 13. I started working. I'm not, I wasn't supposed to, but I convinced my manager at that time, I was like, well, just let me train. I'll just come once a week and I'll just like train until, cause I was like two months away from being, um, 14. And in the United States, what you do is you take, um, they'll give you a paper and your parents have to sign. And then I think your school has to sign okay. and then you can go off and work. So I worked at a grocery store and, um, that was hard work. Grocery stores are a lot of work. Um, I did. Of course, there are a lot of work. I mean, people so don't much uh, work. Uh, people don't imagine it, and they uh, unfortunately same thing here in Egypt. Uh, mm-hmm. Unfortunately, they take uh, people who work in grocery stores or supermarkets or hypermarkets, whatever you want to call them, for granted. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, but it's 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 a it's a hard hard job and it's a very difficult job, especially when you have a lot of you know different kind of customers coming in, different kind mm. of people, uh, someone 
arguing with you, someone shouting at you. I don't know. I know. Yeah, it's a, definitely. It's, it's, it's a tough job. Yeah. yeah. Oh, so but, it's the same over there. <laughs> yeah, it is, of course. Of course it is. So here it's, yeah. yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. So here it's the same. Um, so what I did my first job was I would push the carts. So there's like carts, there's parking line. You have to grab every, like all the carts that are out. And then I'd um, take out the garbage. And if there was like someone, you know, spilled something on aisle eight, I was your cleanup on the aisle eight girl. So that's how I started uh, working in my job. Okay. You, remind, was- you remind me of a lot of American movies uh Aisle eight, come uh, clean up aisle eight. I I I remember there are a lot of uh, movies uh, that show show this. And um, actual fact, uh, could you mention that I I was uh, recently watching a, a documentary uh, by uh, President uh, uh, Barack Obama talking about uh, jobs of people you rarely see. You know, I think that there should, there was this lady. There was I mean several stories. There was this lady, uh, she's, uh, I, I think, from Uruguay, Paraguay. She's, mm-hmm. uh, she's Latino, uh, mm-hmm. Hispanic. And, yeah, same thing. She, she cleans 20 years. She was cleaning homes, uh, you know, a very up-and-up uh, hotel. And, you know, and she's really proud of it. And, uh, and she, she, she talks, you know. No one, there are people who smile. There are people who don't smile. People who, who tip, people who don't tip, you know. But it's a, it's a really tough job. I mean, it's not it's mm-hmm. not, an, uh, it's not it's not that easy. I mean, and, and we do and we do really take it for granted. Who don't do that job kind of job? Take it for granted that that's your job. You have to do it. I mean, that's so so difficult. But, you know, yeah, definitely. It is it is, it is. it is. It is really hard. So so you worked as aisle eight. Uh, yeah, yeah, I was your cat, and then and then I was I used to get so mad, and I hated the job because it was so hard. And then I realized, um, which kind of coincides with what you do, which is like confidence and wellness and so forth. Um, I realized I had to change my attitude. I wasn't going to survive the job if I didn't change my attitude. Um, so I started trying to like the job or find aspects of the job that I liked doing. Because I realized that it, they took a chance on me. It was very hard for me to find a job um, such a young age here. Um, jobs for teenagers is 16 or 18. So I was like, okay, I just have to like put up with it. <laughs> I have to just be tough. Um, and then one day I, I saw the cashiers and I was like, wow, their job looks so much easier than my job. And they don't have to be like out in the cold or out when it's like summertime and it's a hundred degrees. So I went over to this lady, which I love her to death. We'll call her Miss M. Um, I'm still friends with her, still friendly with her. And um, I said to her, because I saw that her son came in, became a bagger, and then quickly became a cashier. And I was like, hey, I've been here for like a while now. What's, you know, what how do I do that? So I went to her and I asked her, how do you, how do you get that job? How do you get the cashier job? And she was like, uh, Linda, you have to study. You have to take a test, pass it. And then we can make you cashier and we'll give you a raise of a dollar, which I was like, wow. A dollar is like, <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. A dollar, a dollar does make a big difference, you know, well, yeah, especially, like... especially when you're 14, especially when you're 14. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I was like thinking, oh, oh I'm going to buy my new Nike sneakers with that dollar raise and I'm going to have it and everything, you know, so you start thinking like that. So yeah. luckily I, I passed the test, um, which was phenomenal, you know, and I could be a cashier and it was an easier job. Um, you had to deal more with the people, though, right? Your customers, like you said, um, but it was an easier job. I'm glad I studied. I'm glad I took the test and passed. Of course, of course, of course. That's that's great. That's great. That's great. So you know that that brings me to my you know, next question that I I really want to ask you because mm-hmm. uh, a lot of people think I, I I'm I'm so resilient uh, because my journey also was not uh, not an easy one. Uh, mm-hmm. Not that I, I worked when I was young, but um, I, I'm one of those many many victims of of the pandemic. Many mm-hmm. many victims. Mm-hmm. 
so I lost my job uh, in um, April 2020, um, and my my manager at that time was uh, from New York, New York from, mm-hmm. uh, and he's uh, from India originally, but he's uh, an American. And um, uh, whatever happened uh, during that period of time, uh, it didn't work out, and we just, you know, uh, laid off. We were only two people because it was mm. like, like a startup in Egypt, and uh, and it was not really clear what they wanted. So uh, yeah, I understand. Uh, I understand where you're coming from. So people think or label me as a resilience expert because of what I had to endure. Uh, but I always say that other people have interesting stories, and your story is so so interesting that your parents worked at a young age. You worked at a young age. So tell me, how would you define resilience? And does being a resilient person different in terms of mindset. I mean, I know people who have fixed mindset and are not, you know, if, they, if something happens to them, they won't be able to manage uh, to overcome it. You know, they would just simply, uh, you know, uh, shrivel and, and, and die, literally, because they won't be able to do it. But there are some people that, that like yourself, have the tenacity and, 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 and the ability to be resilient so, so what's your take on resilience? Well, you know what it is too? You have to kind of go through life and see, okay, am I better right now? Or have I been in a worse situation? And I'm going to take it a couple of years even further than that. I was like four or five years old and me and my brothers would have to like wake up at four or five o'clock in the morning or earlier sometimes. And my parents, you know, had the worst jobs, right? And they were minimum wage jobs. So my parents would do paper delivery, newspaper delivery, and they didn't have any babysitters. So we'd go with them to work. And they also cleaned movie theaters and they cleaned um, offices. So I was four or five years old. And what I always knew was work. My parents took me with them to work. So I, when I was a kid, I didn't understand what movie theaters were. I just knew it was this dreadful place that was dark. (laughs) I, I didn't go there for entertainment. Yeah. So I knew it was dreadful and it was dark and that my job, because I was the little one, was to pick up the paper cups that were on the floor that all these people left. And I was like, I remember thinking as a kid, these people are so rude. Can they put it in a garbage can? <laughs> so I think going from like a kid to working with my parents, but not getting a pay, just helping them to being 13 and like getting a paycheck that was my very own that is also how you become resilient is when you've been in like situations that were not the best but then you have something to compare it with right you've been through something worse and you know um just to talk about mo a lot of people lost their jobs during the pandemic and we as a country realized how dependent we are on other countries for so many things um luckily for me i was working i was that i was one of the probably the few people that i was working as a consultant and remotely um but i had been unemployed before the pandemic um there was a financial slowdown happening um before the pandemic and i think the pandemic made it worse or or sped up uh the financial uh downward decline for many companies yeah yeah no no uh, here in egypt uh, we had the pandemic and then we have uh, the war in ukraine and then we have economic uh, 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 uh instability because uh currently our our egyptian pound is, is doing uh, really uh, badly badly and in egypt the dollar is right i mean the, the dollar is increasing, and the Egyptian pound the value of the Egyptian pound is increasing, and the prices are increasing, increasing. And like you said, you depend on uh, uh, other nationalities and countries. In Egypt, we, our, our livelihood, our, our food, ninety uh, percent of it is uh, uh, our, uh, we are importing it uh, from other countries, like mm. I know, uh, I don't know, uh, coffee, tea. Uh, milk, eggs, you know, 
you know, the the basics. I'm not saying mm-hmm. uh, caviar. I'm not saying you know uh, right. sushi, sushi, and you know all those. You know, mm-hmm. no, I'm 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 talking about basics. Uh, so and and when you you know do the math and say okay, so the meal at McDonald's here in Egypt for me for a father who has uh, two sons and my wife costs like a thousand Egyptian pounds, which would be like if you divide it by sixty, which is you know something uh, uh, very very minimum. I don't know how much it is, but that's how how we know that we're screwed. That is so funny that you bring up McDonald's. Um, yeah, because so because many... this, this is our, our benchmark here in Egypt. Because that's basically what we do. We like to eat. We we have McDonald's. We have Starbucks. We have. Uh, you guys uh, have Starbucks? I have to go visit now. Of course, <laughs> never been to Egypt. <laughs> we have Starbucks and everywhere, but but because mm-hmm. of uh, the war that's happening, uh, yeah, next door. So there's uh, uh, we are uh, we are not we are not encouraging. Encouraging um, uh, Starbucks and McDonald's and KFC and uh, for me, of course, this is not correct because people that are being uh, screwed are the who are working who are Egyptians who don't have any other job but but that I mean they found themselves this so um, I understand the concept but I, I again I I drink this cafe so this cafe and it's a foreign thing so. If I if I keep on thinking what what items I'm not gonna use because of uh, whatever war, right, you won't find it. I won't find anything to eat and drink. Everything is. Yeah, but you know what? I mean, compared to your neighbors, you know, you're doing a lot better. You still have like your podcast and your roof and your of course. Oh, your yeah. room there. Yeah, 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 you yeah, know. Yeah. yeah, of course. You know, you know, you know. To- one one thing I would say is that. I went for a whole month in uh, Yemen, uh, mm-hmm. very recently, northern mm-hmm. Yemen, where uh, where back Iranian uh, regime is there, and yeah, I mean, I come from Egypt and I see these people. No, 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 they're living a, a worse life, possibly than than what I have. So, yeah. so I, I I decided uh, then and there mm-hmm. is not to take anything for granted. I'm living in Egypt. I'm Secure. I have uh, security. I, I have uh, my family. I do my podcast. We have everything we want. Yeah, it's expensive, but mm-hmm. everything is becoming expensive. So, so we we need to cut down. Maybe that's that's the point. But but yeah, the living we're okay. With the, the, the kids are going to school. You know, we're living our yeah. life. So uh, yeah, I, I mean, that's. Yeah. That's part of wellness. That's part of thinking affirmatively is to that's, think um, positively of to focus on what you do have, right, course. and not what you don't have. Of course. So, so my question to you, mm-hmm. because because I have the impression that you've been working ever since you're little. Yeah. You don't, you, you don't have. Any <laughs> welcome, re- welcome to America. It's not what you think of America, right? That's why. No, I feel no, like- no. Well, I don't think of. I I know that there are a lot of hardworking Americans. Mm-hmm. That, that want, want to make. But let me ask you here this question: Do you have any kind of regrets of not living your childhood? Is, did, did that have any impact on you uh, as you grew up? You know what? Things got so much better for me once I started working because I was the kid that when I went to high school, I was the kid that had like the worst clothes. And here we don't wear uniforms. I know a lot of um, other countries, kids use uniforms, which is better. You know, everyone wears the same thing, but here you don't in public schooling. So I was like the kid with like the worst clothes on the sneakers with the holes. That's actually what got me to go get myself a job. I had one pair of Nike sneakers that my dad would buy me once a year and I had to wear them for a whole year and they had holes in them. They both did. And I was the laughing stock of the other children. You know, children can be and young adults can be quite cruel sometimes. So I think that's what pushed me to get a job. And then I started working in the grocery store. Then about a year afterwards or so I left, worked at Macy's, which was the best 
thing I could have ever done at a, a retail department store. Um, and I got discounts on clothes. So I was like, yay. Yeah. So I started dressing better, right? And it's very interesting, but people do treat you differently when you wear different clothes. Yeah, I think because, we all do. Because because I think that's the, the judgment uh, that we, we put in front of people. I mean, if I see a person coming, I don't know, whatever, a bank here in Egypt, okay, and I look at him and see see how he's wearing, uh, wearing flip-flops and coming with shorts. No, my, my impression would be, uh, I mean, um, he may have money, but uh, he's not He's not giving the impression that he's, you know, he's looking after himself. He doesn't really care. Right. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm. I'm sure that people don't really care what other think. I want to wear whatever I want. But you know, we have a thing here in Egypt that always wear what you think people want you to look uh, at. I mean, if if I'm going if I'm going into an interview, I I wear a suit. I don't do a full suit. But I wear a, a suit because. Even if the interviewer is wearing casual you know, jeans and t-shirts and so on, no, I want to give the impression that I, I'm a serious guy. I'm, I'm coming for a serious uh, job. I'm, I, I'm not coming to play around or you know, have a, a good time. I can do that in my own personal time. So, yeah, I think we do judge what, what they wear. But, you know, as, as a mindfulness coach and because of my mentors as Indians, I don't judge anyone. Yeah. As a whole, I don't judge anyone because, at the end of the day, that person could be much better than me intellectually and spiritually, and you know, um, has you know better, better, better life than I have. So mm. why, should, why should I judge? But it's interesting that you said that you got bullied right when you were young. Oh, absolutely! That's what pushed me to go get a job because I wanted to have better clothes. My parents couldn't afford to buy me the high. High designer brands clothes like Nikes or your Tommy Hilfiger and stuff like that. That I know you guys know who, who they what what it is. I think no, Nikes well, worldwide. Yeah. Well, and here in Egypt, I want to tell you something. Poor people who mm-hmm. want to buy these things because mm-hmm. they want to they want to look uh, like 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 us. You know, when I buy a Nike from from here in Egypt, it's expensive. Not a, it's, it's, right it's here, a, it's expensive. Yeah, very expensive too. But they want to mm-hmm. be like 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 us. So so yeah, they they always are after brands and all, all that kind of nonsense for me. But at the end of the day, a shoe is a shoe, shirt is a shirt. But I want to go back to the part of the bullying. Mm-hmm. I understand you because the problem I had when I was growing up was I, my father was a diplomat. So uh, and I always say this on my podcast. I never felt I belonged. Any camp. When I went abroad, I was bullied because of of my uh, uh, ethnicity, my background, my religion. Uh, because I'm I'm an Arab, because I'm a Muslim, because I'm from Egypt. When I came to my homeland, I was bullied because I was a Westerner. I thought openly. I said anything I wanted to say. I had you know. <laughs> so okay, guys, where do you want me to be? Yeah, you don't want me here, and they don't want me there, and I don't know. I I never, you know, I, I never fitted well, and and it was really it was really a tough thing, especially also when I want, wanted to talk to a girl here in Egypt. Very difficult, very difficult. Coming from, you know, I really remember I I was coming from Australia. My father was uh was working in the consulate in, in Sydney, so you know. Uh, Western countries, it's easy to go up and talk to a girl and say hi, how are you, and you know, I like you, and so on, and you know, you know boyfriend, girlfriend, and these things are a piece of cake. So I had that when I came back to Egypt. So different. every time I wanted to go, with no intention of you know asking the girl, I just wanted to friend, uh, be a friend. Uh, people always uh, labeled or thought that I wanted to go out with that girl and that girl and that girl. That was was never my intention. So I really had you know very difficult times to just you know have good good people to talk to. Even today, I mean today, uh, I have a lot of friends who are girls, but I treat them all like my my sisters. You know, sisters. You know, well, that's I, I, really 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, I would treat them as my sisters. I, I know my, my boundaries. I know what to do, what to say, and what not to say. Because, again, if I flirt too much, I don't want to flirt too much to give the wrong impression. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. But, yeah, if, going back to the question, was my childhood hard? I think we've all had hard childhoods in one way or, or the other. Um, I don't regret it. I loved that I was able to have so much work experience because let me tell you something. When I graduated from college, I made a lot more than every, than my classmates because I had the work experience and I would negotiate my salary and I'd be like, Oh no, you can't pay me what I used to get paid in, in the store, in the retail. No, you got to get paid me more because I just spent money and and got a college degree, you know? Yeah. 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 that's that's really amazing because you know, here in Egypt, uh, uh, working uh, it only starts in the like uh, uh, universities and and that. So so uh, we don't have you know too many people working uh, teenagers working McDonald's or anything. Wow, I don't our, know. Our, our teenagers here don't would would not like to do it. They would always say, "Oh no, it's too you know, beneath." Mm-hmm. I, I'm not generalizing, but uh, but what I what what I see. Mm-hmm. Um, so I wanted to ask you: uh, You talk about diversity and equality, mm-hmm. and and I'm I'm really interested to understand more because you know, uh, as a, as someone who talks about wellness, one of my my, my main advocate uh, ideas is always to uh, support women in their. Uh, uh, I'm not going to say struggle, but in, in their uh, uh, mission to, to become equal in terms of faith, become equal in terms of human beings, be treated like an equal. And I believe that so much. So much. And, and I also believe that there are, there are uh, certain areas women sell more than men. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and I know that women are more emotionally connected than than the men, and that's why they make they make better leaders, uh, better uh, presidents, better prime ministers, better. Well, uh, this is what I believe. So, so I, I want you know, to understand your your take about you know diversity and equality. So, I, I believe this is what you talk about uh, from your uh, your your side. Correct me if I'm wrong. Yes, definitely, absolutely. Um, I think that. There is an issue worldwide, and it varies from country to country. Um, you know, there's people that is favored more in society than other individuals. Um, I don't believe in that. I believe in treating others how you would like to be treated and, and being as fair as possible. And it has been a bit of a problem here in the United States. Growing up, I lived in different neighborhoods, so I have a wild wide wide perspective and have seen uh, many injustices um i think also there's we inherit good things and bad things from our family um we all do regardless of what culture or what country you're in um there are people that sadly they inherit um bias and and prejudice and they do it and sometimes they know that they're doing it and sometimes they know that they're not. So it's something that um, I try to teach as a mentor, because I'm also a mentor to college students is to kind of let go of certain things that perhaps your grandfather, your dad, or whoever it was taught you. Um, There's for some individuals in this country, there's a thought that if you belong to a minority group that you are, of lesser value or that your voice does not matter or that you will not achieve greatness or success, which that is completely false, you know, and stereotypes is really someone else's opinion of what they think I am. It's not who I am, you know, but those opinions can be very harsh and can make you feel like you're a like you're a lesser person, or well, that you won't be able to achieve certain things, or, or it can ignite you and become a better person. I mm-hmm. I, I, I I will always uh, you know 
uh, I'm not going to say stereotyping, but you know, uh, when I talk in Arabic here in Egypt, because I traveled a lot, uh, I still have uh, an accent as if I'm a, a foreigner who learned Arabic. So, so a lot of a lot of times when I do training, uh, people uh, people would always ask me this question: Why is your Arabic so um, so so bad in terms of pronunciation? Why do you feel? Why do I feel that you you, you didn't live here? So I, I always tell them, well. I don't care about my Arabic. I like my Arabic. I like to live. I will not change it. I cannot change it. Definitely, I cannot change it. And I live with it. And you understand me. I understand. You. So what's what's there? There. This is not a weakness I have. And even if it's a weakness in terms of writing something in Arabic, I have different ways of you know overcoming my weaknesses without even telling them that I have the weakness. You know, sometimes if I want someone to write something in Arabic, it's very simple. We all use it as trainers. Okay, please come. Oh yeah, yeah. You, you look. You're you're good. You know. You're you're. Uh, you seem to be good in writing. So why don't you write for us all what is being said? Well, I I I solved the issue. I don't have to write anything. I just want them to have an activity, and they're talking to each other. So you know. So yeah. That I, is yeah. interesting. That is so interesting that you bring up languages. That's one of the things that I've always have tried to do is read in different languages and try to speak in different languages. And it's so funny. I had um, a Russian friend come to the house the other day and um, <clears throat> my mom greeted him and I was like, mom, greet him in his, in his country's language. You know how to greet in Russian. <laughs> and so I told my mom how to say it. And, and he was laughing. He's like, you speak Russian with a Spanish accent. I was like, well, oh, yeah, okay. don't, don't act me yeah. for it to be perfect i know like over six languages and i try my best it's not either i'm gonna have an english accent like an american accent or i'm gonna have a spanish accent when speaking speaking your language <laughs> exactly exactly yeah and 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 you know you know arabic is one of those uh it's, it's a beautiful language i'm not I'm not just saying it because it's my language you no know, but it is, it is beautiful it's written in, you know in a, in a beautiful way and but it's extremely difficult. Uh, we have it so, is. Many, so many. If you think French is difficult in terms of verbs, and Arabic is way, way more difficult. And the problem is, Linda, that today's teachers here in Egypt they teach Arabic in a way that kids. My my son, my my, my seven year old son, he came to me for a few weeks ago and told me this: that Dad, I'm English. You're an Egyptian. No, no, no. I'm English. I like. I talk English. I tell, told them no. Our mother tongue is Arabic. Arabic, and because you're in an international school, so you talk English and Arabic. But at the end of the day, you need to know Arabic, regardless if you <laughs> like the language or not. Anything you want to do in, in our country, you know, any government, uh, whatever papers or whatever, or all in Arabic. If you don't know how to read the Arabic, then you won't know how to. To do this, so you no, know, you are Egyptian. Uh, so, so problem is, they they teach Arabic in a way that is so it hasn't changed the past hundred years. The same way, it's the same way I was taught, it's the same way my father mm-hmm. was taught, and my grandfather and my grand grandfather and so on and so forth. It hasn't changed. It hasn't changed. They they keep on you know teaching us uh, grammar and whatever and it doesn't stick I don't use grammar I don't think of the verb before I talk mm-hmm. <laughs> no. I hate that. I hate that way that they teach and they teach Spanish here in the United States that way and a lot of foreign languages are taught that yeah. way I would shortcut everything let me tell you it's so much easier just learn phrases learn popular phrases exactly. right exactly. Yeah. and that's how I usually try to to learn yeah, and yeah, I used yeah. to be able to speak more Arabic. I used to have a very good coworker um, okay. when I worked in retail store, um, and he was Egyptian. So he would teach me, and he oh. when he saw me, it's so sweet. I love 
I think it's so endearing. And I love when people meet me that they think I'm from their country or that I'm from, I don't know why, but I, I never take offense. So I used to talk to him a lot and I was like trying to remember and I couldn't remember because I was like, oh, I want to be impressive and like say a phrase, but I couldn't remember anything. But I just remember like my first um falafel that he oh. brought, he, he made it himself for me for lunch. And I was like, this is amazing. This is the greatest meal I've ever had. In in Egypt, uh, we say falafel, yes, and but falafel mm-hmm. is a, is a uh, uh, a word that is used in the areas of Lebanon, Syria, Jordan, and Palestine. That area, that's that's the word. Uh, in in e- Egypt, as an Egyptian uh, in Cairo, in, in Alexandria, they use the word falafel. But in Cairo, we we use the word ameya. Oh, okay, it's the same thing. Never heard it's of a... it. Never heard no, it. You won't well, hear it here. Why he? Why he? Why he teach me? Why he teach me wrong then? <laughs> no, 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 no. It's the same. It's same meaning. Same meaning. We we do. Okay. We do sometimes say falafel, but uh, but mm-hmm. because we got used to it, so so it's tamia uh, and mm-hmm. and tamia um, uh, is, is you know it's it's done to the beans, which is cool. I don't know what beans called uh, the name. Uh, uh, it's the staple meal uh, or, or the staple food for Egyptians. It's supposed mm-hmm. to be the uh, inexpensive meal, but you know, nothing yeah. in Egypt anymore is, is inexpensive. Everything is, has become expensive, even this. But um, but yeah, we, we like to eat it uh, every now and then. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I don't eat it that cool. much, but, but because mm-hmm. it, it bothers my colon. Uh, Oh, okay. Well, going, all of the medical things. Going, yeah, it's fried as well. But going back to Arabic, um, it's one of the languages that are most spoken around the world. So it is definitely important, um, it's, it's, you know, it's, to it's, learn it. And and for us, it is important because of our uh, of our Quran and so on. All in Arabic, and if you don't know how to read Quran, then you don't know how to read Arabic. So it's a quite an issue because it's not easy reading. If if you think Arabic is difficult, Quran itself is written in Arabic, which is quite not an easy uh, uh, way to read it. And there are ways. So I wanted to ask you uh, an interesting question: What what do you think are the challenges that face women these days in the business world? Since you've been working uh, since you're young, so definitely you've seen the challenges. Uh, yeah i think i think for me from my my own experience and i can only talk about my own experience i think um one of the challenges is there i worked in a company where there was older men so their thought and their idea of was for a woman to believe it believe it or not, I can't believe I'm saying this, but it's, this still happens, happens here, was for a woman to be like at home still. Because when they started working, and they're 50, they're 60 year old men, you know, that are running some companies. When they started working, there were no women in office jobs here in the United States, or very few. Um, and actually, it's true. I mean, I started working in a construction company a couple years ago, that's who hired me and I was like only like the third female in the whole company in the office to to be working um so there's that and then it's also harder for us to be considered for management positions um I had a job where I did the job of management but I was never considered for it and it was mostly because of of my gender so that and then lastly, we do get harassed at work. So, and a lot of women don't know how to handle. Um, there's something called no one ever teaches that. College doesn't teach you how to um, tell someone, hey, no. <laughs> I don't appreciate your advances, you know. So I think that's regardless of what country i think that can be that's definitely an issue yeah it is it is an issue uh here here in egypt harassment uh is a big issue a very big issue uh and has nothing to do with 
uh, ladies wearing veil or not wearing veil or wearing, you know, mm -hmm. some revealing or not revealing sickness. Sickness. These, these guys have are, are are sick in their mind, and and when when you when you try and talk to them, you know, logically, don't you have a you know you have a mother, don't you? If if, if your mother was harassed in the, in the street, what would you? Sister was harassed. Your wife was harassed. What would you do? I mean, if you're harassing girls and you don't want your your family to be harassed, so why why are you doing it? No, no, it's it's, it's really it's really bad. The problem here in Egypt is that we don't we have this uh, we have codes of uh, codes of ethics. Certain companies mm -hmm. have that that issue, but again, the problem is how can you prove that there was uh, Sexual yeah. How can you prove? That? Yeah. Uh, and and mm -hmm. it's funny that you're saying that because I I was delivering a, 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 a training about harassment. I'm not really I'm not you know <laughs> I have no idea about harassment. It's not my area of expertise. But you know, mm -hmm. um, wellness and well-being is, is is always entering every area, every uh, facet of life. So the problem with 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 that is how can you Make sure that this doesn't happen. And what are what are the you know the uh, what what are the, the, the things that you're sh supposed to do for not the victim for the person who's harassing? I mean, what they do is they move the victim away, okay? But they mm -hmm. don't they don't punish the, the harasser at all. They don't punish. They keep him in the same place. That's that's the, the, the issue. Same place. Well you know, when you're being harassed, regardless of what the harassment is, because men get harassed as well, sometimes by an, a woman, sometimes by another man, you know, so of course, regardless of, of harassment, I think you have to let the person who is um, bothering you or advancing or invading your space or your wellness, you have to let them know as soon as possible. Yeah. that you're not going to tolerate their behavior because a lot of people that are victims of harassment, we keep quiet. We think it's going to go away and it gives the perpetrator or the person who's, who's harassing you. When you stay quiet or you think it's going to go away or that someone else is going to help you, um, you're allowing the behavior to continue. So first thing is first is to just, and you can't be aggressive. And I guess this is different culture to culture, how you talk. Uh, I would speak in a very American corporate way of, um, you know, I'm, you know, I am aware that you may or may not have certain relationships with other individuals. How, however, I value our relationship professionally and you want to emphasize professionally um and that you hope that um it will continue to to be as such um or else you then you have to look for help as the victim and see if you have an hr department or you have a manager or you have somebody else's manager sometimes that might be able to to step in for you and kind of solve the situation if it continues it's really sad in the united states there has been legal cases um i had um a colleague of mine who told me he was like um he told me his wife had been uh, extremely violated at work um that it had happened to her um where they had to bring in the police and everything so it don't think it's going to go away you you have to address it there's no other way to go about it because the, the longer you sit in silence or the more you tolerate it the worse it can get and you know one day it's just like maybe grabbing your arm or whatever the next day might be grabbing something else so the next day it and, and might it be gets, a full okay, yeah. assault yeah, yeah and it gets worse and worse and worse and, and as long as mm -hmm. you're you're silent and you don't do any action so the the the, the perpetrator won't understand the signal that you're okay you're not saying anything so I'll keep on doing it until, mm -hmm. uh, and uh, yeah, yeah, I, I do, uh, I do agree with you. So let let me ask you this: What are the f five tips would you give for for women to be successful in today's uh, 
business world. Oof. Give me three oh, tips. No. It's, <laughs> well, that ranges. Well, let me give you five tips. Yeah. It ranges. It ranges. Um, I'll try to do five. It ranges widely because it depends what industry you're in and it depends who your bosses are, you know, um, and how that professional relationship is going to be. Okay. So it's, it's, it's a lot of, of things, but for me, my own personal success, I would tell you, I have worked very hard and because I am who I am and because I've been a minority, uh, Latina and a, a woman, I've had to work two and three times harder than a man has had to work. Um, I've had to continuously keep myself educated, um, because of, of who I am as well. Um, it's almost like I, I have to, I, I have to make sure my skills are, uh, the highest possible. Three, you, I feel like I've worked in industries. I've worked in entertainment industry, construction industry, I've worked almost in all the industries you can imagine. Um, I'm very much a woman that when she, when I walk into like the construction industry, um, I dress nice, somewhat conservatively, but I also do put, tell the guys, I become like their sister at work, right. basically, you know, and um, like certain outfits that they had, they, they used to have one jacket that was like for men and one jacket that was for women and I was like no give me the man's jacket I don't even want you to to to, to give me the man it fits better anyway you know what I mean so I think it's that um I wish women were nicer to each other at work I don't know how it is there but here it's it can be very competitive and then lastly people I think the hardest, you mentioned competition earlier. I think people really think that they're in competition when they work and they're really not. I don't, I mean, in the companies I worked at, they hire you for one job. You might be there for a while, like four, five, eight, seven, ten years. As many years as you tolerate that proof that and you stop thinking that you're in competition with the world and everyone you're going to be doing so much better just do yeah. the best job that you can do yeah. you know yeah. and there's a lot of backbiting i think in offices and gossip stay away from that you know that's not part of your job yeah. i don't know it's, it's the same thing here in egypt they have a, a, a gossip everywhere also women are not very nice to each other not that much mm -hmm. uh men usually I I personally prefer working with women more than working with men. Uh, I'm working with women all the time right now. I mean, I'm working with them. Uh, and um, I find them better mentors, better leaders for me. I understand them better. I don't know why. It's, it's a very weird thing. But somehow I I feel more at ease with, uh, I'm not going to say women, uh, you know, manager, but uh, a leader than a guy. I don't know. That's just how I feel. So, uh, tell me one one sentence or one word that describes men. Ooh, um, you know, I believe um that you can be a love in this world, and I like using my nickname a lot. That's why it's called my podcast is called Into Love Talks Podcast. Uh, where we talk about careers and a few other topics, you know, there is so much harshness and so much ugliness in this world. And I get it. Like sometimes people hurt you. So you, a lot of people want to hurt back, hurt someone back or be um, evil or, and, and you don't have to do that. You can excel in life and you can help others as well along the way. You can be love in this world. You know, and I think that's what um, can ultimately change the world as well. And being using intelligence and learning what type of intelligence you need. Like with us having this conversation, we're learning and we're establishing, you know, a cultural intelligence. So I think exactly, that's what yeah. it is. Yeah, I think yeah. love that that would be my my word or my phrase. Okay. And so what's uh, what, uh, what what's your dream? Linda? What's I'm living my dream. 
Honestly, I never, <laughs> I never, I never, I never thought I would ever meet celebrities. I never thought I'd work in the entertainment industry. That happens. Um, I never thought I'd go to college. I'm a high school dropout. I finished high school at night. You know, I worked during the day and then went tonight. So I finished high school at night. So, so, you know, I've been able to have one, two, three, three college degrees. I'm working on my fourth college degree right now. I'm a book author. I never thought I would be a book author. Um, I wrote, uh, can the law regulate social media and should it, which is, which Uh, is really interesting because I think Egypt have some laws with regards to to social media. And, uh, they do, they do, they do, and they a should, lot. Probably, uh-huh. they, they should, they should regulate social media because there's a lot of, uh, a, a lot of uh, bad things that happen because of. Oh yeah, definitely. And in the United States, it's not, and it's per state, so every state is different, which is interesting. And they don't, and a lot of Americans don't realize, like when they're on a social media platform, that like that's how we met, right? You you're, yeah. you can be talking with someone across the world, so. <laughs> you know, you might opening open your mouth and inserting your foot sometimes. Um, so it's it's very interesting. And then um, I also did write as well my first political book, which is called "Would Kentucky Voters Approve a Ban on Assault Weapons?" I co-wrote this with okay. my co-author. Yeah, yeah. That, so that, that, that's been... that's an issue you have in the United States. We don't have that much of the, of that issue here. We do have weapons. South of Egypt, near the Sudanese border, mm-hmm. but we don't have you know uh, uh, people go- going and killing. We have bombs. We have bombs, so so that's a different thing. <laughs> so every the, yeah, every region has an issue. Yeah, yeah, we have bombs. It's it's different. So Linda, uh, uh-huh. th- thank you very much for for being with us on Wellness Mo. I mean, I, I learned a lot of, a lot from you and. I, I think you are such an amazing human being, such an inspiring person, uh, working so young uh, and gaining all that experience. And uh, I mean, I, I don't, I don't think a lot of people would able to do what you've done uh, because it takes some kind of courage from, from a person to overcome all those hardships, become what they want to become. Uh, is is the American dream? I would say. I mean, I I I, I believe so uh, that uh, you are a, a great example of the American dream. So I, I so thank you very much for being on the Thank you. It's been fun. I appreciate it. Oh, but it, it was it was my 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 honor, and I'm so humbled to know you. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, okay, everyone. Thank you. Thank you all for listening uh, this week. Next week uh, we'll have an different guest with a different inspiring story so god bless you and be 